Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. And uh, before we get into the show, let me first of all say thank you. Thank you for being so generous last week during our Join the Family Pledge Drive here at Relevant Radio. And we met our need, our goal of $3 million. In fact, surpassed it. We're uh, right now around $3,350,000 raised last week. And that's coming in from more than 14,000, getting close to 15,000 people who have donated. So if you made that donation, thank you so much for your generosity and your support and being a part of what is being done here at Relevant Radio. You really are a part of the evangelization, the catechesis, um, you know, this hour of spiritual direction. All the different things that you have access to, you are a part of that when you pray for us and when you support us with your financial donations. If you missed our pledge drive last week, of course, you can still make that donation. And if you want to, you can, uh, it's 100% tax deductible. You can do that at our website, relevantradio.com. You can pledge through the Relevant Radio app, or you can give us a call, 877-291-0123. But more than anything, let me just say thank you so much for being generous. So we had that winning week last week, but, you know, (laughs) there are the stories where there's a person or a team who comes from behind to win. Don't you love those? You can find it so easy to root for that underdog. You want them to win. And that's why so many of the sports movies that we have out there that come out year after year, they focus on that person or that team who really shouldn't have any chance of success, but somehow they they win. And if those kinds of stories, if we if we come across them, there's a reason we love them. They inspire us. If that person or if that team could do it, then there's hope that we too, we can triumph, even when it seems the odds are stacked against us. And I'd like to tell you about one of these kind of people, one person, not someone known as an athlete, but someone who experienced that kind of success in business. Her name is Cheryl Batchelder. And she was the CEO of Popeye's, the fried chicken franchise. She has held high-level executive roles in a number of different organizations. But she took the reins as CEO in 2007. And this was at a time where the chain looked like it might have to declare bankruptcy. And not only bankruptcy, but a second time. They'd already fired, filed for bankruptcy protection in 1991. And then skip ahead to 2007, things aren't looking good at that point either. But as she took over, then over the next 10 years, as she was the CEO there, Cheryl, she really turned the company around. The stock 
was at $15 per share when she started. And at the end of her tenure, it was up to $79 per share. Now, Cheryl, she credits her success due to the approach that she and her team took with the organization, with the way that they would actually serve in that role of leadership. Here, I'll let you listen to her own words. Here she is as she explains. We had to make a choice and we chose to serve. And we tripped on this question, whom will we serve? And we immediately start writing names up on the flip chart. We could serve the shareholders, we could serve the guests, we could serve the employees, the restaurant general managers, the franchisees, the regulators, the accountants. And one really smart person goes, don't we have to serve all those people? Well, in business, we certainly do have to serve a lot of different kinds of people, but we ask ourselves that day, what would happen if we chose to focus on one of them as our primary people we would serve? And we chose that day to serve our franchise owners. Now, why would we do that? Our franchise owners borrow money to build restaurants, hire and train all the people, get involved in the community, and serve you our amazing Louisiana-inspired food. Without them, there is no Popeyes. It occurred to us that they were both the success point of our past, our present, and our future. And we could only measure our success if we brought them success. Okay, so that sounds really easy, and maybe it sounds even a little bit obvious or smug. But here's what you need to know. On that given day, we didn't even like these people. Honest to goodness, have you ever met a franchisee? They're, they're really passionate. They've got more opinions than you could count. When they're upset, they're miserable to be with. They're really challenging human beings. <laughs> and so this was the mindset of Popeye seven years ago. The most important people in our business model were not our favorite people. So the more important decision we made than to serve them was to actually decide to love them to love them for making those investments in our brand, to love them for the passion they have about the future of this brand, to love them enough to listen to them and work with them side by side to make this brand successful. That decision to love differentiated us from our competitors. Uh, again, that's Cheryl Batchelder and the kind of leadership that she's describing there, serving those that you lead, that's the kind of leadership, it, it inspires far more from followers than any other kind of leadership. There's all kinds of data and research, and then just experience, you know, results in different organizations that bears that out. Of course, when it comes to the best examples of servant leaders, well, we, we, we uh, kind of hit the jackpot here, right? As Catholics, as Christians, we don't need to look any further than Jesus or Mary. They both show us how to inspire others through serving and for caring for those around them. And this is what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life, this idea of servant leadership. And I'm very glad to welcome to the program today Father Matthew Spencer. He is a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph. He's the provincial superior and the shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph out of Santa Cruz, California. Father Matthew, welcome back to The Inner Life. Uh, thanks so much, Josh. It's always a, a great pleasure for me to join you. Well, and, uh, you know, I, I, 
I want to get into examples that Jesus, you know, in his life where we see this, in Mary, in her life. But going back to that little clip we heard of Cheryl, I, I think maybe from the outset we could talk about servant leadership. You know, when you want to serve somebody, it is so much easier when you like the person. And as Cheryl was saying, you know, they chose to serve people in their organization that they didn't really care for, but they really had to change that mindset around for themselves. And, and and I think that's also a really important aspect of what we're going to talk about here is we don't do it just when it's easy or when we like the circumstances. Being a leader who serves others, very realistically, you're probably going to have to serve many people that you don't really care for or you don't get along with or you just don't have something in common with them. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I was chuckling to myself, Josh, when I heard her speaking, because I thought, yeah, priests know that very well. Right? We're called to lead, but we don't get to choose. We don't get to hire and fire the parishioners that come to us. And I, I don't mean to to say it's only priests. It's I think all of us have people in our lives that we're called to show leadership to, and we can't always choose the ones that, that we're called to love. In fact, I think oftentimes God gives us difficult people to love because it helps us grow. It helps the person that we're loving. So yeah, I think I think leadership is, is always about uh, love. It's always about helping others, but it's also about not necessarily choosing the people you're leading, but being open to, to God's will and serving people that might be difficult to love. Well, and, you know, Jesus, of course, in his example with the apostles, he loves them, but at different times, <laughs> they obviously can be a bit, a bit much. They can be a bit challenging, and Jesus is constantly having to kind of correct them, get them back on the right path. Um, let's start by looking at maybe the most obvious scene where we see Jesus take on the role of a servant with his apostles. This is that scene that we commemorate every year on Holy Thursday. It's where Jesus washes the feet of Peter and the others. And Peter, he gets into this argument with Jesus about this. He, he doesn't want his teacher, his rabbi, his master to do something so menial. But then Jesus corrects Peter again and says that this really is important. He tells Peter, unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. And, you know, then Peter wants to take it even further. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're, you're kind of get, you're missing the point here. But in that scene, uh, you know, what, I guess what stands out most to you in this encounter between Jesus and Peter? You know, what Jesus does is uh, it, it, it shows leadership uh, from a different perspective, that it's not about bossing people around. It's not about getting your will. It's not about power and control. It's about service, right? Leadership is about helping others to, to, um, to achieve success and helping others to be successful in life. Uh, and showing that Jesus by his own humility, by, by uh, getting down on his knees, which is the last thing that we would expect from God, right? To wash our feet? How is that even possible? And I think Peter's reaction is, um, you know, we oftentimes look down upon Peter's reaction because he, he is stubborn and maybe he's doing it for the wrong reasons. But he did really make a point to say, this isn't, this doesn't seem right. You know, it doesn't seem right that our Lord should get down on his, his knees and, and wash our feet. Right. 
But he had to learn also that this is what leadership is about. It's not about being exalted. It's not about being lifted up. It's about it's about serving. And I think that's it's just a powerful, powerful example. I love I love that when it comes around every Holy Thursday when we commemorate that event in the life of Jesus, because it reminds us of how we're we're called to treat others, especially when we're in positions of authority or leadership. Yeah, well, and then Jesus, at the end of this, he says, I've given you this example, I've given you this model. So, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. if I've shown you, you should also take this out. This should be your, your application of how you then approach others. I also like how Jesus, when he does correct Peter, it's done very gently. You know, he doesn't berate Peter, he just merely gets him back to where he needs to be. And I think that's another really important aspect of that servant leadership. It's it's not humiliating or making your point uh, to the embarrassment of the other individual, but rather, no, that's not exactly right. Let me tell you what is, but at the same time, here, let's let's walk this together. Yeah, that that's a beautiful insight, Josh. I mean, I think, and we can see this throughout all of Jesus's ministry uh, to to the apostles. He shows them this example of humility and of gentle a gentle leading to to the truth. Uh, and it takes them a long time, just as it takes us a long time to understand what God desires of us. And Jesus could have been much more domineering. He could have been much more authoritarian, but he didn't. He, and he wasn't that way. He, he, he showed this uh, patience and tenderness in trying to to get Peter to be the best he could be and trying to get the other apostles to be the best uh, apostles they could be. And and I think that's a challenge for all of us. We'd, we'd much rather just exert our will, right? Forcefully impose that upon others and then, and then sit back and relax. But the much harder path is to accompany another, is to to walk with them and, and realize that that humility and tender accompaniment oftentimes uh, lasts a lot longer. Well, and even though Jesus, you know, as you said, Peter has this reaction, which is pretty understandable. Hmm. This is, you're kneeling down here, you're going to do something fairly menial, Jesus, even though you are the one we are following. And so he has this reaction, which is pretty understandable for Peter. But even though Jesus becomes the servant to his followers, he then acknowledges he has not given up his role as their leader. He confirms that he's still their master and their teacher. And this is another thing that I think, you know, when you look at that, if if you're a follower of certain people, you know, then you still respect that role of their leadership. But same with, you know, if you are a leader to people, then you have that responsibility. You don't, you don't enter into an area of service to get rid of that role of leadership. You still have to embrace it while being able to say, nothing is above me. I can be a part of what's happening here in some of the basic or menial tasks. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's important to to contemplate that idea, Josh. 
with the realization that every single one of us is called to leadership in different in a different way. Not everybody is going to be called like St. Peter to be Pope, right? Not everybody is going to be called to to lead maybe large numbers of, of the faithful, for example. But all of us have a leadership role. So in my in my case, I'm provincial and I lead a, a small group of religious priests and brothers and I organize our activities and try to try to serve them in that way. But a mother, a father has leadership responsibilities in their family, right? Grandparents have leadership responsibilities to to give good example to their grandchildren. Children have leadership exam have leadership responsibilities in relation to their siblings, in relation to friends and in in the classroom. So I think all of us have a different aspects of leadership that that must uh, that we have to fulfill as part of our particular vocations. And I think in order to do it well, as you're describing, in order to to be with those people that we're serving, but also to not lose that that identity, we have to recognize, well, what are the areas of leadership that God is calling me to? Uh, what is it in my vocation? That, that I need to show some leadership qualities and, and therefore be a servant like Jesus is a servant. Talking with Father Matthew Spencer today here on The Inner Life. And if you would like to join the program, you can call and speak with Father Matthew. The phone number to the studio, 888-914-9149. When have you been able to inspire others through being that servant to them, leading through service? Is having that servant attitude difficult for you? Is it uh, something you really struggle with? Or maybe you have a question for Father Matthew. You're welcome to call in. Again, the phone number 888-914-9149. Father, as you talk about your role being the provincial superior for the Oblates of St. Joseph, uh, as you've tried to, you know, exemplify that servant leadership in your own life, what are maybe some of the most challenging ways or areas that you've had to do that? You know, Josh, it's it's very fascinating to me that our Lord has called me to serve in this ministry because I, I did not become a priest to to want to be in this position. In fact, I think no person in their right mind would want to be a, a bishop or a provincial on their own. Right? They would they would only allow it if if that's what God was calling them to. Uh, in my in my case, I think what what I had to learn is that is that leadership in my in my role with my brother priests and 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 religious brothers is that it's not about um, it's not about control. It's not about uh, my own uh, will. It's about uh, making sure that the men that I'm serving are able to thrive and making sure the men that I'm serving have their needs fulfilled. And it's it's not nearly as as uh, it, it, I mean, I guess before I became provincial, I thought, yeah, we could do all these things. I could uh, make this person do that and make this person do that. I could fix all these problems that I see around me. And and instead I realized, well, there are problems I'm called to address. There are issues that that and responsibilities the Lord asks in positions of leadership for us to solve. But principally, it's about, hey, here are my brothers, here are the people that I've been charged with with serving in a leadership position, and how can I do that the best? And really, it goes back to what, what you said, that uh, leadership is about love, right? Leadership is about caring for these people. And if I can love my brothers, 
even though maybe things won't always go the way that I imagine, then I, I'm doing my my job as a leader. Uh, do you think that that being being in that role as a leader in your community has that helped you then? You know, by wanting to love them more and be that servant for them, has that helped you to know them in a better way than maybe you would, as well as you might have known them before taking on this role of leadership? Has being in that leadership role helped you to know them even better? You know, it's it's changed my own view of myself. So I, I realize the areas of weakness that I have, the self-will that I have that very often needs to be tempered. And that in turn has made me more sensitive to the needs of my brothers around me. It made me recognize maybe now that I know a little bit more about them, about their lives, about their their responsibilities, it makes me much more sensitive to their own needs, to their own uh, challenges that they have. And I think this happens for all of us in when we when we really assume those leadership positions well. When a when a mother looks to her own position not to be a, a domineering figure in the house, but instead to to be a, a care uh, to be careful and attentive to the needs of her children then she becomes more sensitive to them and becomes more sensitive to what they need, as well as more sensitive to her own needs, right? And so I think leadership forces us to grow, in a sense. It forces us to see things more clearly, to see things from a broader perspective. And maybe that's why God asks us all to serve in, in leadership positions, sometimes quite small and other times quite large, but these positions often help us to grow. Father Matthew Spencer, our spiritual director on The Inner Life today. Again, our studio line, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father Matthew, 888-914-9149. What is the role that you have of being a leader where you can serve others? And when have you been able to inspire others through that, that role of being at their service? Maybe being at their service is really difficult, and you're not sure how to put that into practice. It sounds good on the surface, but you're just not sure if you're cut out to be that servant leader. Uh, you're welcome to call in. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. Our email address, relevantradio.com. Coming up next, we'll look at the life of Mary, our Blessed Mother, and some of the ways she can show us how we can be those servant leaders. Again, we'll be right back with more here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, speaking today with Father Matthew Spencer. He is a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, the Provincial Superior and Shrine Director for the Oblates of St. Joseph, and he's based out of Santa Cruz, California, talking today about how we can be leaders, but not just any old kind of leader, how we can have a servant attitude when we look at leadership in our lives. And whatever that might be in your life, maybe it's simply in your own family, maybe it's just even in a social circle 
where you kind of take on that leadership role. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe you are uh, somebody who is higher in a management level and you have people who look to you for that leadership. How can you bring forth that that attitude of service in what you're doing? And when have you been able to do that in your own life? Whether it is with your siblings or your children in a home structure, maybe it's to your spouse, maybe it's, again, in the workplace. Maybe, maybe it is a struggle for you to have that attitude of service and you'd like some advice, some insight from Father Matthew. Our phone number here, 888-914-9149, So, Father, let's look at the life of Mary as well. And there's two main scenes where I, I look and think we've kind of got this very obvious, you know, Mary wanting to serve others. The first is where right after she has received the news from the archangel Gabriel that she will be the mother of the Messiah, of Jesus, she also gets the news that her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. And not only does she leave to go help Elizabeth, but the scripture says she leaves in haste. She leaves quickly. And I think that's really important to look at here because I know for myself, I can just, I can find myself dragging my feet when I know I should be helping others. I'm not rushing. I'm not moving in haste (laughs) to jump into the work of serving others. I'm so glad you bring this up. You know, I mean, this is a, this is a quality that St. Francis de Sales would talk about in his introduction to the devout life, that to be a pious person means we're going to act quickly. We're going to act right away. We can, we can say, well, yeah, I'll definitely do the rosary sometime. Right? I'll definitely uh, make a confession at some point in my life. Uh, and we just put it off indefinitely. But to be, to be holy and to live a devout life means not only to do the right things, but to do them promptly. And I think the examples you give of our Blessed Mother is, is, is wonderful, you know, because it's true. She immediately, once she found, this, found out this incredible news, I, I mean, what could, she could have uh, proclaimed that news to others. She could have said, everybody needs to lift me up, right? Every, of course, she would never do that. But the natural human reaction to receiving such great news is maybe to bring attention to oneself. But instead, Mary said, oh, I learned this great news, but I also learned that my cousin's uh, now pregnant, and that's exciting, and I'm going to go share this good news with her. And, uh, and what a beautiful example, right, for all of us to, to realize that when we are given a great gift and given a great blessing, then we impromptly, in haste, we were called to share that with others. And that, that is an important part of our, our own call to leadership, too. You know, the other thing that really strikes me when Mary encounters Elizabeth, you know, and Elizabeth, she she says, you know, when, when I heard your voice, the child growing inside me leapt for joy. Um, you know, th- there's this exchange between them. We have then Mary's Magnificat. And I think between both Mary and Elizabeth, we see them acknowledging the goodness of God. There's this uh, this gratitude that they both have, even though the situation would seem rather <laughs> rather scary, I think. You know, there's there's one woman who is pregnant who is too old to really be pregnant. And so there's this, the worry of, I mean, you could, you could add all kinds of worries here, but 
am I going to be safe through the delivery of this child? You know, um, am I too old for this? Am I going to be around to help this child grow up? You know, am, am I going to be alive for the majority of their childhood years? Then you have, of course, Mary. And there's been all kinds of reflection given on this, too, through the centuries of you've got an unwed, pregnant young woman. And there, there's so many problems that could come about with that. But even with the possibility of all these worries of the future, of all the what-ifs that are out there, neither of them dwell on that. Rather, both of them are joyful and they're completely just enraptured with the possibilities of the future. And, and, and they just show this deep trust in God. And I think they can do that, Josh, because it's very clear that in both of their lives, this is God's will, right? It's God's will that Elizabeth uh, now is with child late in age. And it, it's clearly God's will for Mary to be with child, even though it might be considered you know, a scandal by the culture, right. even though people might want to reject her because they don't understand the origins of her child. Um, but I think both of them can be at peace and both of them can remain trusting in the Lord because they know that it was God himself who, who allowed and, and willed these circumstances to, to take place. And maybe that's a challenge for us. You know, I think we, we get nervous and anxious about things in life and we get, uh, you know, worried that things will turn out okay. We get, um, nervous that, you know, our needs will be met or that our relationships will, will end up being healed the way we want. And if we could just recognize that, well, God is in the middle of this, God's in, in my midst. And if I can trust him, if I can see that this is God's will, then, then I don't need to fear. I can be trusting in what he has in store for me. Uh, well, so then the big question is, how do we go about doing that? How do, how do we, how do we, uh, you know, foster that same sort of trust in God that we see in Mary, that we see in Elizabeth, as well as going back to the the other thought there too, the the responding in haste. You know, how how can we not put off what we need to do, what God is calling us to do? alongside having that trust that God will take care of all the details, even if it seems things are really, really frightening or scary, there's a lot to worry about in the future. Well, I mean, to connect it with our theme of leadership, right? To be a good leader, I think first one needs to have the qualities and virtues and characteristics that that leadership demands. Uh, in other words, we have to be a saint. <laughs> we have to be holy in order to be uh, to be good leaders. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have to be perfect, right? But we have to be striving for holiness. And I think that's how we we ultimately come to trust completely in God's will is by is by being holy. And how do we become holy? We become holy by uh, embracing God's will for us, by learning what the priorities in our life are, by recognizing the pri- primacy of prayer and a primacy of relationship with God, ordering our own desires and passions to that plan that God has. So it's this whole project of life, right? To become holy means we have to know what God, know God's revelation, know what, know what he has revealed to us. We have to embrace it and accept it. We have to start ordering our lives to it 
and then we have to start following Jesus uh, throughout the whole process of it. And um, that's a that's a tall order, right? Yes. But that's what it takes. Yes. To, that's what it takes to really trust in God. It's easy, Josh. Come on, you know, <laughs> we could all do this. <laughs> well, you know the other the other person that gets brought into this scene here uh, in a little bit with Mary and Elizabeth, we have them, but St. Joseph, you know, he is there dealing with his own kind of struggles, his own contemplations, and he still wants to do the right thing. And I think that's, you know, as you're talking about, we have to be holy, we have to strive to be a saint. Well, we see Joseph, even before he knows what God's will is for him, he wants to quietly put Mary away. He doesn't want to revel in any sort of revenge or, you know, get get even with her for what would seem to be betrayal on her part as she's betrothed to Joseph. So even at that point, he wants to do the right thing. But then he also hears God's call that, no, go ahead and take this woman as your wife. And we see it again where he has the dream that he needs to leave and take the Holy Family out of uh, out of Israel, and they, they head to Egypt. So we have this where Joseph wants to do the right thing, recognizes where God is leading, even, it's, even though it's something that he wasn't planning on doing, but he also immediately says, okay, this is where you're calling, this is what I'll do. Yeah, that's right. I, I think Joseph is an, an amazing example of not only holiness, but also leading others in, in, his, in his particular vocation. You know, his, his scripture tells us, St. Matthew writes, that Joseph was a just man. And so because he, he didn't believe that maybe he was worthy of this great mystery, you know, maybe he didn't understand what his role in the life of Mary was, he decided to divorce her quietly. I think um, some, some, uh, sometimes we interpret that as if he was suspicious of Mary, but Matthew, St. Matthew never, never says that, right? The, the better explanation, according to Scripture scholars, is probably that they had a conversation, and Mary said, hey, guess what, Joseph, this happened to me, and Joseph had to then contemplate, well, if she is going to be the mother of the Messiah, then what what role do I have here? You know that maybe I need to uh, back away from this mystery, which I might not be worthy to participate in. But what's amazing is that four times in Scripture, Joseph doesn't know what to do, and four times in a dream, an angel will appear to him and tell him what he needs to do, and every time he does it immediately, right? Every yep. time that it's revealed to him what God's will is through an angel in a dream. He, he gets up and right away he does it. So right away when he learns that, in fact, he, does, he is called to be Mary's husband, he immediately takes her right into uh, and, and continues with that vocation. When uh, the angel uh, appears to him and says, you need to get out of here, the Herod's looking for, for the Christ child, he immediately gets up and runs and, and flees to Egypt. So yeah, I think St. Joseph is an example of great holiness. He's an example of great leadership. And it's also in part because he, he responded promptly when, God, uh, when he knew what God's will was in his life. As you're talking about this too, it brings to mind two different virtues that I think can really play into being that servant leader. And uh, again, I want to throw out the phone number here really quickly as we're talking about being a servant leader here with Father Matthew Spencer today on The Inner Life. And how have you been able to do that in your own life? 
or maybe you're not sure how you can grow in that attitude of service for those that you lead in whatever role that you you are called to in life, whatever your vocation is. Our studio line here, if you'd like to speak with Father Matthew, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. But Father, as you're ta- talking about St. Joseph, he responds immediately to whatever the dream is, whatever the, the direction that God is giving him. And I think the two virtues that stand out to me, there can be, of course, many more virtues at play in leadership, but the two that I'm thinking of, there's fortitude or what we would call courage, and there's humility. And maybe we can talk about the courage aspect first, because for Joseph to immediately respond in the affirmative, follow the leading of God in his role leading the Holy Family, uh, you know, you have to be willing to forge ahead into new territory, to try new things, um, you know, in anybody's role as a leader, to be ambitious, you know, but still guiding those around you. And, and I think the idea of courage to the outside world, we might conflate that with arrogance, but what what does, how can we have a better understanding of what true courage looks like for us as Christians? I think courage and humility are are closely connected as you as you mentioned them together because the the reason we need to have courage is because we realize that something is hard, right? That <laughs> something will be difficult. If something's easy, then it doesn't require courage to do it because we we just know that we can accomplish it. When something is hard or very difficult, when something when it seems beyond our capabilities or even maybe beyond possibility, then uh our reason tells us, well, maybe we shouldn't try. Maybe we'll be humiliated in attempting it. Maybe we'll fail, and then we'll be, uh, you know, worse off. Uh, for for a saint, fortitude is connected to humility, realizing that, well, I don't have it within me to accomplish this great task, but I have a relationship with God who provides, and so because of my humility, my awareness of my own limitations. Uh, but also of God present in my life, then I'm going to act and I'm going to trust that God will provide for for what I lack. Um, and I think that's very clear that Joseph did that, right? Joseph, he was, had to be courageous to take Mary as his wife, to protect the Christ child and to raise him growing up, to flee to Egypt and go off to a foreign land in, in order to protect Jesus and Mary. All these things required uh, his own humility, but also required him to to trust that God would provide. And I think that's the that's the essence of of courage is realizing that, yeah, I do need to act, but God will provide if I'm doing it in a prudent and humble way. Talking with Father Matthew Spencer here on the Inner Life, our phone number triple eight nine one four nine one four nine, and we'll be back with more as we talk about servant leadership here on the Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at RelevantRadio.com Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com Gregory. Thanks. 
Thanks for being a part of The Inner Life here today on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And I want to say thank you once again if you joined us here a little later in the hour. Might not have heard. Well, last week, our pledge drive here for Relevant Radio, we met our goal, met our need of $3 million. In fact, surpassed it quite a bit. Thank you for your generosity in supporting Relevant Radio. And we're sitting a little over 3300000 right now and on our way towards $3.4 million raised. Uh, also heard from more than 14,000 people. I think it's around 14,600-plus people who donated last week. And so thank you again for being so generous and being a part of the work that's happening here at Relevant Radio. If you didn't make that donation, well, there's still time to do that, of course. We are listener-supported. We rely on your generosity to be able to keep bringing you the different programs you hear on Relevant Radio. And you can make that pledge through our website, relevantradio.com, through the Relevant Radio app, or you can make a pledge by calling 877-291-291. 0123. But again, more than anything else, just thank you from all of us here at Relevant Radio. Uh, Father Matthew Spencer is our guest here today on The Inner Life as we're talking about servant leadership, how we can lead through that service to others around us. And Father, right before we had to take our last break here, we were looking at the life of St. Joseph, about him following God's will when God calls to him. And we've got Charlie, who's calling in from Massachusetts, with a good follow-up question. Charlie, glad to have you here on The Inner Life. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, how do we know? What are some signs that we know we're doing God's will? That's always important to be have that confidence that you're doing God's will. Wow, great question, Charlie. Thanks, thanks for calling in. So, um, I'd say the first the first indicator we use is is it consistent with what God has revealed to us in His Church? So, for example, if I'm if I'm committing a sin, something opposed to what God desires, then uh, that's clearly not God's will, right? <laughs> so, the first thing we do when we look and see, am I doing God's will? Is am I am I am I also, is my life consistent with the catechism of the Catholic Church, with Scripture as interpreted by the Catholic Church? And that's kind of a big question, Charlie. I mean, because there are some things clearly that we could just say, well, of course I couldn't do that. I couldn't murder somebody because that's not God's will. But then there are other much more much more difficult questions to discern that have to do with, well, the job and the career I'm in, these kinds of things. So when it comes to secondary things, if it's not a sin, uh, if it's uh, if it's possible to be a good, then what I do is I look at all of the circumstances around it and I say, well, is this helping people in life? Is this aiding me in my growth and holiness? Is this um, consistent with what I believe God's plan for me in my life is? We start exploring how this fits into the bigger scheme of our life. Uh, but I also think what we do is we we need the input of other people. Because if, if I'm the only one discerning, if I'm the only one pondering what God's will is in my life, then uh, it's going to be biased. It's going to be biased by my own experience, by my own weakness, my own brokenness. And I think we, we need the input of other people. So we need the input of our confessors. We need the input of, of uh, family and friends that we trust. We, we need the input of, of people who might have a better objective perspective on, on our actions and on our life. Um, 
Now, I think these are all things that, that we have to do, Charlie. In the end, how do we know God's will? Well, it's usually hindsight is twenty twenty, right? I mean, we do our best in the moment, but it's after the fact that we, we, we know one way or the other whether that's the case. I think St. Joseph, exe- again, gives a good example. You know, he many times had to choose uh, a particular, make a particular decision without knowing exactly if it was what God wanted, Um but he was always trusting that God would would um, do that course correction in his life to lead him to his will um, as 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 Saint Joseph needed to. So a good example is when he decided to divorce Mary quietly. He thought that would be God's will, and it wasn't. And so the angel appeared to him in a dream and said, "No, in fact, I uh, the Lord does want you to to take Mary as your wife." And so he was able to then uh, adjust his his actions and and be in accordance with God's will. So I, I just finally say, Charlie, that the to me, the important thing about living in God's holy will is to always be docile to what God reveals to us, to not become so sure of ourselves that, that we were not willing to be, um, you know, to be corrected and, and to therefore practice more, more clearly God's will in our lives. Uh, great question, Charlie, and I hope that helps you. You know, Father, as you're talking about this too, I'm thinking about the, you, you say, absolutely, we want to be docile. We want to be willing to listen to God. If we, if we think we're going where we're supposed to, but God points and says, no, I, I, I want you over here instead. At the same time, up until that point where God says, you know, nope, you're not on the right path. I want you to go on this path instead. If that hasn't happened, you really do have to have confidence you have to if you're going to inspire people by your leadership and in your service to them you do have to have a clear vision of where you're going and you know i i mean you need enough experience so that you can help guide while still empowering those around you yeah that's true i i think about my own discernment to become a priest right and i I had to I had to know enough about the priesthood and religious life to make an informed decision. And and the more I knew, the more intimidating it looked, and the more courage it, it required, the more uh the more trust it took. But uh I think that's part of of leading. It's part of following God's will. It's part of being being saints that we we have to know God's will. Uh, but to do that requires us to know the catechism, as I mentioned, to know scripture, to talk with people we trust. It also means we have to we have to explore what is what is this going to mean for my life? You know, what is this? If I if if I believe God's calling me to be a husband or a father, uh, what does that mean? Am I willing to accept the responsibilities that come up, come with that, including loving when it's very difficult, including being faithful? Uh, through thick and thin, including all the challenges that come with that vocation. And um, and so to think through it is important, and, and then to have the courage to follow through is, is necessary as well. The other thing that is important to happen here, too, is not just to keep that vision to yourself. You know, if you, if you say, this is where we need to go, and other people are kind of relying on your leadership, your guidance— you have to share that vision, or you have to share the goals, or whatever it is that you're working towards. Uh, because if you don't, if if you have not had clear communication with those who are depending upon you, then 
they are not going to be the ones at fault when they don't execute whatever plan you're wanting to, you know, whatever you're wanting to do to move forward to reach those goals. So that communication is absolutely crucial as well. Yeah, it is. That You know, that's something I've had to learn, Josh, because when I became provincial, which is a responsibility of, of taking care of about 25 men in the U.S. here, I thought I had the best ideas in the world, right? And I thought, well, I know what we need to do in these situations. And uh, and if I had just done them without talking with my brothers, without listening, without this fraternal dialogue, then uh, I not only would I have made many mistakes, I also would have uh, alienated all of my brothers. And, and that's not good leadership. Um, so it's not a democracy, a religious community, but to, to listen and to work towards consensus really helps to helps us to see all angles of a of a decision helps us to arrive at a a decision together and i think the same is true in families right i mean children of course aren't gonna aren't gonna it's not a democracy right children don't necessarily get to vote for the best place to go on vacation but but hey you talk to your children and say what do you think how how do you feel about this particular uh trip or this particular decision we're making and and you take that into consideration in your own decision making process Uh, it also then i think fosters feedback where whether it's in a family setting or you know whatever other um, you know, leadership role you might be in, it allows you to hear from others if they are enthusiastic about it, or if they're not, well, why not? And it allows you then the opportunity to make the case of why you think this is best and, and why you are leading in this way. Um, you know, th- there's also the fact that it might allow you to hear somebody who has a passion or maybe they have a natural aptitude towards something that can help you achieve those goals, something that you didn't know at first. Yeah, it's true. It brings out the gifts of, of the people within our community, right? When If it's just Father Matthew deciding different things, then, well, I might see particular gifts that people have, but might not be aware of others that they have. Whereas if I include others in conversations, if there's open communication and sharing of gifts, then uh, what happens is we all benefit, right? The people who, who get to put those, bring those gifts to the fore, as well as the rest of the community that says, wow, this is, this is great. I didn't know this person had these gifts to bring to the community. Uh, getting really short on time here, but one last question for you, Father. Do you think it's ever possible, as we're talking about servant leadership, that for a season of your life, maybe you just really aren't in any capacity to be a leader, uh, is God going to say, nope, that's just not your station right now? Or do we always have some potential role for leadership? I think if we look at leadership broadly in the sense that um, all of my actions have an impact on others, and it might not be a formal role of authority that I have, but every action I have is going to witness to the gospel or not, right? Every action that I that I do is going to either invite people to reflect upon God or it's going to move them further from that. And I think from that standpoint, we're never excused from, from good example of leadership. We're always going to have to give a good example and lead, even if it's just by the example of our lives. Father Matthew Spencer, we are down to our last 30 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners as we conclude? 
Heavenly Father, ask you to look mercifully and generously upon all of our listeners, especially as they try to share the gospel with others and fulfill their leadership positions. Help them to imitate Jesus in his own service and uh, his own leadership. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much, Father Matthew Spencer. Thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Thomas Engesser helping to produce the program today. And thank you for listening. And again, thank you for your generosity last week during our pledge drive, helping us meet our goal. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here, followed by The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.